0: 12 noon on Wednesday, so it's time for the podcast. Thanks for tuning in live. Thanks for tuning in later on demand. Uh, Whether you're listening to this podcast or watching on video, we're just really glad that you're here, and we appreciate your support uh, so much and the way you're sharing uh, the good news. We're reading through the Bible together as a church, and that is good news. We're looking into what God has to say about who God is, who we are, what we're doing here, what's purpose, meaning, direction, uh, how can we, as we dive into Romans today, how can we have the assurance of knowing um how god sees us and there's there's a lot of good stuff so uh let's get right into it emily yes. please introduce our wonderful panel
1: with us today minister to young adults jamie is back hi hello. jamie hello hi it's oh, good to be here
0: Hello, jamie Fresh off of her recent graduation yeah. from Luther Seminary, yeah, getting baby. her master's degree. Well done. We're yeah. proud of you. Congrats Congrats. you. It
2: feels
1: really good to be done. No homework. What a world.
0: And then you get asked to be on the podcast, so yep. homework. Yeah. Yep.
1: yep. And youth pastor Nick Brannon. Hi, Nick.
0: Hey, everybody. Hello, Nick. Welcome back? back to you. Welcome back to you, Jamie. Uh, should we just go? Yeah. Uh, Ted Lasso, where are you? Let's get into questions. some questions. Why
1: don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any
0: questions?
3: Oh, yeah, no, I should have
1: saw that coming. Okay, what does Nehemiah's story in the Old Testament teach us about perseverance and leadership?
0: It uh, teaches us a lot. Nehemiah was called by God. He got a sense of God's spirit in his heart that he was supposed to leave his comfortable kind of posh life where he would had really arrived in a lot of different ways. He could have just coasted and stayed comfortable. But he answered the call of God to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. And rebuilding the wall was not the same kind of thing as when we talk about walls today around communities or nations or whatever. It, it could be. But for Jerusalem, it was rebuilding a wall because they had enemies who were attacking them all the time. It was war that they were trying to protect Jerusalem from. And so Nehemiah was distraught. God wanted Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem and rebuild uh, for all sorts of reasons. Protection, beauty. The wall around Jerusalem is a beautiful thing to behold. You can still see uh, that today when you go. So Nehemiah went. But what we learn about Nehemiah really teaches us some good leadership lessons, Uh, not just for church leaders either, just for leaders in any aspect of life. Uh, Nehemiah got a vision. I already talked about that. It's not just a vision. Visions are always better when they come from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we don't just say, hey, God, here's my vision. I want you to bless it. But the opposite is happening here. God gives Nehemiah a vision, and then he takes it out. But from that vision, he also took the next steps. He, it's so easy. The easy part of leadership is to get a vision. It, God gives mm-hmm. those all the time. And then to think how great it's going to be when we get there. The hard part is all the work. <laughs> it's all the, uh, yeah. the planning and the organizing and 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 the pouring into it. Nehemiah did all that. And he persevered uh, in the face of all sorts of criticism and enemies. And he he hung in there. One last thing I just want to throw out is one of the best tools he had for persevering against the pushback. And he was getting pushback not just from people – on the outside who didn't want him to build the wall like the governor of Samaria, because for obvious political reasons, that would be bad for him. But he was also getting uh, flack from people on his own team, you know, people who didn't like the way he was doing it. Well, that's leadership. Um, That's the way it goes sometimes. And leadership means staying true to the call God has given to us, staying true to the vision. But he was also a great, we've got to be careful there too, because he's also a great people person. He wasn't just a task guy. He was taking care of the people who were around him. And one of the ways he persevered was through prayer. Uh, He prays in chapter one, chapter two, chapter four, chapter five, chapter six, chapter 13. Mm -hmm. For all these different reasons, he's constantly in communication with God. Those are aspects, I believe, of a strong leader. And here's where the Bible's just really relevant for us in all sorts of ways. So Yeah. yeah, that's Nehemiah.
1: That's good. Uh, switching gears, uh, to the new Testament readings in Romans. How can anyone truly rejoice in times of suffering and how can problems and trials lead to anything good? Jamie, how can they?
2: We're going to start with
1: suffering, aren't we?
0: (laughs) So let's talk about suffering, Jamie.
2: (laughs) Man, here's the thing about Romans. Romans really does run deep and we just start off with Mm -hmm. talking about one of the things As human beings here in our American United States culture that we don't like talking about, we want to be happy. We want Mm -hmm. to feel joyful all the time and run away from anything that might cause suffering. And yet we do know that suffering is a constant or maybe not a constant, but something that will happen to all people. And so Paul knows that and he just dives right in. Then there's several ditches that we can avoid when we face grief or suffering Um, but I don't want to focus too many, too many, uh, too much time on the ditches, but it's worth noting them because Mm -hmm. the goal of grieving is to grieve. Well, is to face things that bring us pain and trials and to say, okay, this is something that I'm facing at the moment. Mm -hmm. Who can I talk to? How can I get some support? How do I, how am I praying about this? How am I, um, how am I really taking my faith into full view when I'm facing something that's difficult? Jesus never told us that we would avoid, a a painful life. He actually says at the end of John chapter 16, he says in this world, you will have trouble, but take Mm -hmm. heart for I have overcome the world. And so the thing about Jesus is when you're doing life with Jesus, death always leads to life. There's always resurrection. It might look different than you think it's going to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about like the silver linings. There's usually some sort of silver lining or something that you can find, um, but that's not necessarily what Paul's talking about, but it reminds me of a personal story that I'll share with all of you. And maybe some of our watchers can yeah. resonate with this today is, uh, so I just graduated from seminary. Mm-hmm. It was super exciting. Mm-hmm. And in toxic cat fashion, my cat died the day after graduation. Oh, mm-hmm. And so I knew that his health was failing right before yeah. graduation time. I had two cats. They were brothers. One died in December. And I think this one just honestly died of a broken heart. Uh, he so like, sad. Hell, a brain tumor, and he went blind, and he had thyroid issues, and he had heart murmur.
0: And so everybody's brokenhearted right now, but (laughs) the cat lovers are crushed. Yeah, Yeah, it's just, just.
2: and it was awful. And I was like, okay, this is truly toxic cat fashion to just be like, Jamie, you have this really fun thing happening in (laughs) your life this weekend. The spotlight's still gonna be on me. But it has been this wild experience of grieving the loss of having a little cute animal in my home that Mm -hmm. I loved spending time with that would always greet me at the door. And also realizing there is some freedom in my life right now to grieve and to have space to enjoy some things that I didn't have time to before, like clean floors and (laughs) (laughs) things like that. So that's more of a silver lining, but that's not necessarily what we're talking about with Paul. There's also this ability to celebrate something that was The enjoyment of having a pet. Or anytime you lose a loved one, we do need to grieve that loss, but also there's the rejoicing of what God has done through their life here on earth, their impact on us, and those sorts Mm -hmm. of things. So that's Mm -hmm. some of the stuff that I think about when I think about how suffering also has rejoicing attached to it when we
3: And sometimes the rejoicing uh it comes in the morning, as the Psalms say. Uh there's pain in the night but the joy comes in the morning. And sometimes it's getting through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, and sometimes in the middle of that valley, we we find um, the joy of salvation. Uh, I, I think that the, because uh, Paul, he's going to the hope that we have and that hope that we have. it. Uh, the nice thing about being a Christian is that we don't have to pretend that painful things aren't painful yep. or sad things aren't sad. Yep. We have a hope that, uh, that, also exists. So we don't have to pretend like it doesn't exist and we don't have to pretend like we don't have something that is bigger and, or like we have some wish upon a star or pretend thing that's just supposed to kind of comfort us a little bit while we're sad. And then we somehow religiously get over it. Like we're just weak people. Right? Yeah. That, uh, and truly we kind of are weak people, right? Like we're, that we're just humans in mm-hmm. a broken world. And when we have the, this hope There's a strength that comes, uh, and and that's one of the best things about being a Christian. It is.
2: Yeah, and one of the things that I always try to remember um, about grief is that it helps me to be more empathetic and compassionate Mm
0: -hmm. for other
2: people as well. When they're facing something, I can be like, oh, I remember how terrible that felt. How can I help? How can I serve? How can I be a comforting presence or yeah. It expands our ability.
0: You know, we find that with our hospital visitors, our volunteers and pastors make hospital visits. Ministers make hospital visits. But we also have a team of volunteers uh, who are trained. We're not just going to mm-hmm. throw them out there, you know, and say, good luck. But uh, there's so many of them feel the call to do this and are particularly good, like like just highly effective as uh, pastoral care providers, care providers in these settings because they've been there, like, like you're right. saying, it, you know, they, because they've been through cancer or because, mm-hmm. and it might even be a specific kind of cancer. And when you walk into that room and you're the patient and you see a care provider from your church family come in and say, me too, I've, mm-hmm. I've walked this road, I've been through this. Uh, nobody can talk about heart surgery like somebody who's had heart surgery. Mm-hmm. No, nobody can talk about uh, diabetes like somebody who has diabetes and, and, and on and on the list goes. This is a ver- These are verses that get quoted a lot, Romans 5, 3 to 5. You know, suffering produces endurance, endurance uh, character, uh, and character hope. And our hope doesn't disappoint us. God pours out his love for us. Really encouraging words, and, and they're filled with promise. But here again is an example of if we just take the text by itself, the way it usually is it's just pulled out. Here's these three verses. Slap them on your situation. But it gets even better when we read them in the context of the rest of Romans, but even just Romans 5, because Paul starts this chapter, verse 1, in saying and kind of summarizing, so we're right in God's sight. We stand justified before a holy God. You don't have, we don't have to worry about the wrath of God. This is really good news, but then he broadens it. And I'm not just talking about really good news when you're feeling top of the mountain good. Mm-hmm. I'm talking yeah. really good news when you're feeling, like you said, Pastor dark, Nick, right? in, the, in the deepest, darkest valley of the shadow of death. It holds. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than you think this this assurance, this good news, this gospel, this amazing grace is bigger than you think because it isn't just waiting for you when you get it right, when you stop feeling sick, when you get better, when you're not suffering anymore, when you don't miss your cat as much anymore, you know, Jamie, it it's right in the middle of my cat died and I'm brokenhearted over that. It's right in the middle of I'm in the hospital with cancer and I don't know what I'm going to do. Yes, God is there in the midst of that, and that's when it moves forward. And we have this assurance that the assurance, the, the fancy, uh, you know, seminary word for it is eschatological, and it simply means living happily ever after. Back is the best way I know how to say it. Knowing how the mystery of our life story ends, mm-hmm. it's like it's like we have access to the last page. Yeah, it's going to be really good for for anybody who belongs to Christ. Mm-hmm. It's going to end really well, and that doesn't mean. That Paul's minimizing the suffering, like, oh, no big deal, you're broken hearted, you're hurting, you're scared, uh, you're suffering, you're worried, you're grieving, whatever it might be. He's not minimizing at all. He's saying because it's so, it's so common in this fallen world, I just want you to still know that the good news is bigger, right. yeah, than, and that it holds. Your suffering won't hold. The gospel, the good news, God's amazing grace will hold. So when we live happily ever after back, we keep that in mind. So as we're going through the tough chapters of our life, we remember, yeah, but I know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm, right. And mm-hmm. and so I'm better in the tough times because I know how it's going to end. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endure. I'm going to hang in there and that's going to build character. Yeah, both well, on, are real and one will last. Yeah, yes. exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: And in the meantime, we know that God understands what we have gone through because mm-hmm. we see Jesus on the cross. Right. We mm-hmm. know that our God... That we do life with is not somehow yeah. unaware of the suffering that we face. Yeah, yeah. Jesus was tortured, right. He understands.
0: Nick, I think I heard you say this in a sermon once. You used the phrase shelf life. Like Our right. suffering yeah. has a shelf life. It has an expiration date, but God's grace doesn't. It's, it's permanent and it's eternal. I, I really like that. I just wanted to give you credit for it. I thought that was great.
3: Oh, thanks. That was a while ago. You remember ah, that? That's cool. It yeah. stuck. It was wow. good stuff. That's one of my preaching heroes saying that. That's pretty fun. <laughs> that was, so.
1: I will also add, I think that most people in their suffering, who I talk to later who are Christians, will say it got them closer to God, yeah, right. mm-hmm. and there is beauty in that, and that's yeah. really hard, but Amen. really good. Okay, what does Adam have to do with us and with Jesus, and what is Paul's point by comparing the two? Pastor Nick.
3: Yeah, so Adam is uh, the first dude that we see in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Adam, the name Adam, it means man or mankind, uh, and so he is both the first one, and a representative of all of us, and so uh, as uh, you were talking earlier about uh, you know from being in the United States and uh, being at this point in history, we have a lens that we read the scriptures through. Uh, a lot of times we'll do that with with Adam here, mm-hmm. but what we need to do to understand what was written is we need to try to think, okay, what was Paul's lens as he was writing, and what was the lens of the people that were originally reading it because if the more that we can know the lens we have and know their lens, the more this is going to make sense in the way that it's supposed to. Uh, So that was a lot. I don't know if that made sense. Very helpful. Yeah. uh, So what do we we do with all that? So what we do with that is uh, we we have to look at Adam as a representative of us. Mm -hmm. So Adam is uh, genetically us. But Adam is also spiritually us. Mm-hmm. Adam is ethically us mm-hmm. in the scriptures. And the original readers, they they would have already felt that way. We live in a very individualistic culture uh, where, you know, hey, this one person did something wrong. They're blamed for that. That's not me. And we distance ourselves from that. Uh, you know when our our team our our team's winning, we're winning. Our team's losing, they lost. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, that's that's just how our culture is, and that's not good or bad. It's just a thing we have to be aware of. In this culture that Paul's speaking to, he's saying we are Adam, and they all said, "Yeah, we are." Mm-hmm. And when Adam sinned, that just became our basically our genetics. It became our our spirit. It became our story, it became us with it. That's who we are. And I look at my life, and uh, yeah, I am in the same way that Adam died. Uh, that's the direction I'm going. And someone said it once, like uh, there was supposed to be this beautiful plant in a garden, and this beautiful plant was going to produce these beautiful seeds and more beautiful plants. But instead, uh, the plant, because of sin, mm. became a weed, mm-hmm. and it pr- produced thistles everywhere, uh, and. Uh, There's still, I think of like a, you know, dandelions, you know, they spread everywhere. I'm soil. well aware. Yeah. <laughs> well aware. We <laughs> need some pre-emergent there, Pastor Mike. I, 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 no, I, I fight back. Yeah, I fight harder. Fight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and we and that's the we thing have conquered the
0: dandelions again this year, but it's, it's a little bit of a battle. Well, that's the thing with sin is that it just
3: keeps going. It yeah. keeps spreading. And, but dandelions also, they get a bad rap because uh, in nature, they're there to restore the soil. And so God actually takes this thing that's prickly and ugly and annoying Mm -hmm. and we don't like it in our yard, but he actually can make good with it. And, and that's us because Mm -hmm. we're, we're Adam and because of Jesus, we're Jesus. So we have solidarity with this guy that, that ruined us and that we ruin ourselves now. Mm -hmm. And we have solidarity with this guy that saves us at the same time. And that's why we still sin. That's why we still struggle. That's why we die. But it, It's also why we have the hope of the resurrection and why we know who we are and why we are saved. Mm. And so we are Adam and we are in Christ at the same time.
0: It's good to have the pastor who really likes gardening talk about the Garden of Eden and, Mm -hmm. and dandelions and all that kind of stuff. Jamie, what are you catching on this?
2: You know, I just... Adam is such an interesting character as like an archetype for all of us, Mm -hmm. right? And Adam gets such a bad reputation as being like, oh, just a follower of Eve and he just took a bite of the apple. But Mm -hmm. we all do, right? Uh, Like we just all find ourselves in Adam's shoes, try or not. And so I'm just so grateful. One of the things that I've been thinking about as you were talking is how perfectly it just leads into the next thing that we're going to be talking about. And Does. so I don't know who wrote the order of these questions, but they did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> it's Spirit, like one leads Spirit into letter. the next, yeah. right? But um, yeah, just thinking about where we're going next with all of this and how perfectly it all ties together.
0: It's also interesting to see how Paul consistently s- connects the dots between creation and what he's writing to the church in Rome, this letter, Romans. That we, we we encountered that the first four chapters, preached about that, did the podcast on that last week. And he's continuing that on, which I think is a point that's not just like, oh, that's an interesting connection. There's Adam, there's Jesus, here's, the, here's how we relate, as you guys have both said so well. Paul's, Paul's just stretching it out again. He's broadening it again. He's saying, this Jesus I'm telling you about, to the church in Rome, reminding them and maybe introducing Jesus to people who don't know him, uh, who are outside the church and are going to read this letter. Well, we're going to read it mm-hmm. today. And, right. and other people who just find a New Testament, and start reading Romans. That's they're on the list, too. Paul's making the point for anybody who wants to catch this. He's bigger than just the latest spiritual guru to come down the pike. He's he's bigger than the latest trend. He's bigger than right. than some other prophetic healer or or miracle worker or 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 great orator or preacher or even other Bible heroes. Or yeah, or revolutionary leader. Or even even the greatest of the Bible uh, heroes, old and New Testament, Jesus is more. Mm-hmm. And so Paul's going to say, I'm not going to just tell you who he is for you, Romans, today in the first century. I'm telling you, he's an all time God. He he's, he's the one, he's the one we've been waiting for. I'm connecting him all the way back to the, the beginning of the human race Mm -hmm. and Adam's name means mankind. It means humanity. And so yes, to everything you guys are saying, we are connected and Paul's connecting that for us to say, we're Adam. It's not just Adam. Adam is Adam, but so are we because we all sin. We all fall short. We all need Jesus. We all need the savior. Um, And, it's very, it's, it's very trendy, I think, these days to, to, for, for certain pockets of Christianity, and this makes me really sad, but cer- certain pockets of Christianity to say, well, Christianity is really about sort of playing this game to say that group of people are sinful and we're not sinful. They're the ones with mud on their, on, on their face. We're clean. And Paul's not letting us go there here in, in Romans 5. He says we're all connected to him, We all need this savior. We all need to be cleansed. When I was in college, my, uh, one of my roommates was from East Grand Forks, North Dakota, a rural community <laughs> east of Grand Forks, uh, if you want to know. <laughs> and, sense. uh, so he invited me up there for a weekend away and it was great, uh, to go see his farm where he grew up and all this kind of stuff. And it was a weekend where they had a mud volleyball tournament. Have you ever played, you know about I've this? Never done it. This but it is a thing, fun. you know, out in the country, apparently. Hmm. And so we had our team of buddies and, uh, you know, we're playing against there's like 50 different teams out you there. It's a whole tournament. Oh, yeah, oh. it was great. And, and so the the temptation, I would suppose, just to use this as a metaphor, is to say, look how muddy and dirty that team is. Look how, and, and we're going to, we're not only going to beat them, but we're going to be cleaner than them. we're, we're mm. And I feel like too many pockets of the church do that. Too many, right. too many Christians are tempted to do that and think, well, when I read about sin, I'm reading about them. Yeah. Mm. Yes, you are. Mm. <laughs> and you're reading about yourself too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all got mud on us and we all need a really good shower. And it and strikes me the people
3: that were the muddiest in that tournament probably were playing the best.
0: Well, I don't want to brag, but we were young and, and we were playing against people who were maybe weren't as athletic at that stage of their life. And to intimidate the other teams, we just decided to dive into the mud before the first serve. We, <laughs> we, we went head first and we all went. So we're like, OK, we're dirty now. We don't have to hold anything back. We're not going to mm. try to be careful. That's a good analogy, too, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, everybody's muddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all need we all need to clean up.
1: We've had a lot of analogies already. Yeah. we dandelion. We've got dandelion problems. And mud problems and analogies
0: always help with the deepest stuff. Yes. yes. And we are in the deepest stuff of the Bible here.
1: Yes. How does Jesus' resurrection cancel death, both for him and for all who are joined with Christ Jesus in baptisms? From Romans 6.3.
2: Okay, the thing that I think about this verse, Romans 6, 3, is that this is one of the most underrated cornerstone verses of the entire Scripture. You Ooh. know, like, everybody knows right. John three sixteen, mm-hmm. but this verse from Romans 6, I'm just going to read it because it's so good, it? uh, especially just starting in verse 3. Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father— Now also we may live new lives, and uh, you know we talk about how the deepest theology has some really good analogies. One of my favorite analogies is when Pastor Mike does this during VBS with kids every summer. We've got a God hand and a me hand, Mm -hmm. and I could try to explain it, but I'm wondering if maybe you'll take us through the VBS (laughs) style. I'll
0: do the short version. Yeah, Yeah. the short version. Because I thought, how can I teach grace to little kids? You Mm -hmm. know, at VBS, uh, how can I communicate this in a way a second grader would get at least some concept of it? So you know, when we pray all week long, I say, let this hand represent God and this hand represent you and I'll put them together. And look what happens when we pray. We're so close to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I take that through to Friday, which is usually um, the day when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, which is what Paul's getting at here in this part of Romans. Uh, Romans chapter six, verse three and everything you just read, Jamie. And so I say, okay, take your God hand, take your me hand. God made us to be like this. But sin, our muddiness, are our, our, the stuff that we do think um, act on, don't act on, don't, don't do that we should have done. I mean, the definition of sin is very broad. It's way bigger than most people think, biblically speaking. Our sin does this to us. It, it, um, we fall, to, to use the language from the Garden of Eden. We, we fall away from God. And the problem is, if God is life, now we have fallen away from the source of life. So we get death. And that's what Paul's saying here. So there's life, God is life, and there's us. And he made us to be like this, but We fall. And so we try to get back up. We try, we're like, well, I'm going to try to live a sinless life. I'm going to try to reach spiritual perfection. I'm going to try to climb back up that ladder to heaven and earn my righteousness uh, before God. And we just can't make it. If we're going to be honest, Mm -hmm. we can, we can pretend we -hmm. can say, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm super spiritual or I'm super moral and I, I'm, I can do it. But the reality is, and Paul's making this crystal clear, you can't, You, Mm -mm. you can't get there from here. So here comes the good news. Here comes the champion. His, as Martin Luther writes in a mighty fortress, uh, you know, a champion comes to fight for us, yep. and he comes. And so, since we can't get up there, God comes down to us and rescues us. And now we're joined through baptism. Romans six three says, and baptism is this mark of our faith. So it's faith that saves. It's not magic water. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying the baptism is a is a sign of your saving faith. And faith is the glue that bonds you to Christ. So that as he dies, your sin is put to death and destroyed. And as he rises from the dead, since we're joined to him, we're raised up to a new and an everlasting life. That's actually the short version. But uh, so I have kids, you know, take their sin and imagine they put it on a piece of paper and we throw it at the cross and, you know, imaginary. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that's going to now it's crucified. And, and then I have them hold their hands where we raise up our hands. We're it's true though we are raised up to a whole new life uh, for just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the father. Now we also may live new lives. And if we've been united with him in his death, verse five of Romans six, we will also be raised to life as he was. This is like you said, Jamie, this is a really key verse in, in not just Romans in all of scripture.
2: Yes. And I think so often uh, what some of the debates that we get involved with, In about like, well, how does that impact us and us now? Are we perfect now? Well, clearly not. But what is this kind of like right? Yeah. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about what we pray in the Lord's Prayer, whenever we pray the Lord's prayers, we're asking God's kingdom to come Mm -hmm. and will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom reigns. And we see that in breaking now and again, but we also live in the now and not yet. Like we will see the fulfillment of God's kingdom reigning everywhere for all time. We're just in the in-between now we're like crossing the bridge we're on the car driving over this precipice right like we're going somewhere we can see it over the horizon but we live now where we just we just see glimpses of it but this is our spiritual dna we are joined with jesus christ Mm. for forever Mm -hmm. amen
1: that's good if we now live under the freedom of God's grace and not under the requirements of the law, what's keeping us from living out all of the fun sins? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we put fun in quotes, just so for in did. case you're <laughs> listening to this and not seeing it on video, and most of our people are listening, not watching. So fun is in quotes. There are no fun sins. I mean...
3: They start fun.
0: They, do, they appear fun. They are fun even while you're doing them sometimes. It, let's, let's be honest. Uh, but they don't stay fun. Is is the problem? It's deceiving. It's like uh, you know. I'll do another analogy for you, Emily, (laughs) just for you. Uh, College orientation. They have this whole week long thing at Concordia College, Moorhead, Minnesota, where they get into groups. So it's small groups. Everything, and you have leaders who are upper class, you know, students, and 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 they lead your group through all these. Fun and also educational important. Like here's where your classes are. Here's how you get here. Here's how you do this. And you you bond. And so before you take class number one, you've had four or five days at least of hanging out. Mm -hmm. One of the things we did was this thing called a bat spin. Have you ever done a bat spin? So you have teams like these groups. And you run to the other side of the field, and then you take a baseball bat, you mm. put your forehead um, yeah. on yeah, the man. one side of the bat, Done and you that. spin around. And, man, did that look like fun.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, was like,
0: I was like, that's going to be awesome. This is going to be the best thing ever. And fun I thought it? our group was going to be – it was horrible. It was just – it looked like – sin is like that. It looks so fun. It looks – this is going to be great. And after I finished, you got to go around ten times and then run back, and that's why it's funny because mm-hmm. nobody can really. Mm-hmm. Some can, but very few can make it. And I have such, you know how a low center of gravity might help in that. <laughs> well, I'm six foot five, so yeah. I do not have a. I have a high center of gravity, <laughs> and so when I got tried to get my bearings after going around ten times with my forehead on the bat, I didn't fall the earth came up to meet me. What was the <laughs> sensation that I had and it slapped uh, me on, awesome. on the side. It was not fun yeah. anymore. This is not fun on all. all the people I'm trying to impress, you know, as a new college first year <laughs> student and, and all this, especially Sally and, you know, other people's like, Hey, and I couldn't even walk. I had lead like medics to pull me away. Mm. That's what Paul's getting at here. Sin isn't as fun as it looks and life is better without sin. And so, For anybody who thinks, oh, grace is cheap, and Paul's just saying, it doesn't matter what you do, just, you know, you've got grace, you'll be forgiven. And then once you're forgiven, you can just go back out and keep doing all this this sinful stuff. What we're missing there is, all kidding aside from the silly metaphor, it kills us. Mm -hmm. Sin kills. It kills us. It kills our relationships. It kills our families. It kills our careers. It kills our communities. It kills the world. Uh, it sucks life away, the, the, the good life, the full, abundant, joy-filled life that we're all w- looking for. And we think sin is the passageway to that good life, but it isn't. Um, it's, it's a deceiver.
3: And, and there's sometimes where sin uh, deceives us and we're like, oh, that's the way to good life, uh, to the good life. Right. And sometimes we're just so desperate that we need relief. Uh, so it's that time of year where the mosquitoes are out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. Has anyone gotten any those mosquito bites? Oh yeah, i got three. Worse on, right? yeah. yeah. on your Big. ankle, you know, and you're just like, I know if I itch it, it's gonna be worse. It's terrible. Uh, same same thing for like my allergies. I like rubbing my eyes and showing my eyeballs who's boss. Tis the season you know, for tis that the too. Season. Mm-hmm. And the more you do that, the worse it becomes. And there's and sometimes there's and this is Paul gets to this a little bit later in chapter seven, uh, and I think we'll talk more about that too, but sometimes it's just like, I know this is not what I'm made for, I know this is not who I am, and we end up still there because we we don't know how to find relief. Uh, and the relief, it's in Jesus. Uh, and the relief is in the presence of, of the Holy Spirit with us through those dark valleys, through that suffering, through through the, all the things that we're going through. And uh, so whether it's, you know, spinning around on a bat or you, the mosquito bite, like sin, it it separates us from, it kills, it separates us, it it makes life worse eventually. And I think that there's some sins that people will want to say, oh, well, you know, that sin, it's it's kind of whatever. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, if someone sins like that, I mean, it's not murder. I mean, murder obviously kills, but if I tell a white lie or if I, you know, whatever. And obviously, there's a huge difference between murdering someone in cold blood and telling a white the
0: lie. The consequences are different, the but the sin
3: in heaven is the same. Exactly, exactly. And
2: and uh, both hurt you. And yeah. both
3: hurt you, and it's, and it's not the life that you're made for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Whether it's in your relationships, uh, and when we start comparing sin to that's usually where we start getting a little Mm self-righteous, and like you were saying earlier, Pastor Mike, uh, it's like, oh, well, those people, they're the muddy ones, when really it's not us that gets to decide how muddy do you need to be to live with God eternally. God is the one that says, hey, uh, it's going to be clean in my house, Uh, and so we're not going to be tracking dirt in, and I know you can't wash yourself, I Will wash you, and you have to let him uh, like like Peter. Uh, he said, "Don't wash my feet." I mean, not you, Lord. He's like, if you don't let me wash you,
0: mm-hmm. you won't have any part of me. If mm-hmm. you Use your mosquito analogy. Sin bites, doesn't it? It bites. Yeah, I mean, it really does. Uh, yeah, it does. The, the the temptation is again to say, "Oh, well, the stuff when." Be very very aware and run away from the Christians who are like, my sin isn't really that bad, right? Or justify, worse, I'm going to justify my sin. I'm going to say my gossip, my backbiting, my dissension, my, my divisive conversations, my criticisms of other people that they don't hear me say, the stuff I post about other people as if they weren't human beings with souls or hearts right. uh, or right. feelings, um, because they're in the public sphere, I'm just going to slam them. Uh, that's not New Testament Christianity, it just it just isn't. New Testament Christianity is admitting we're sinners in need of a Savior, first and foremost uh, from beginning to end. But Paul is adding here, he's saying, now you've been set free. Dr. Gerhard Ferdi, the great Lutheran theologian, put it this way. He said, free for what?
3: Mm.
0: You're free to do what? You're, so you've been set free from your sin. For what? Well, you're free to be what God has, this new life. Now try that shoe on for size. Live it out. And we will not we will not arrive at the station of perfection this side of heaven, moral perfection, religious perfection, spiritual perfection, but we are new. We are changed. Mm -hmm. And so if we get the right understanding of just how amazing God's grace is, it is going to lead to that new life in a way that all the self-righteous posing and pretending never could.
2: Yeah. There's a verse in James that I remember memorizing as a little kid because I did like an Awana style Wednesday Mm -hmm. night Bible, whatever. There's this verse in James about... Uh, this is in James 2, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one, is as guilty as a person who's broken all of God's laws. And so I remember uh, the illustration. And there's another verse around there that I can't quite find of uh, the same idea. The uh, The person who was teaching this lesson, it was like a Sunday school style thing, mm-hmm. had a blown up balloon with all of the Ten Commandments written on it and then had a little thumbtack and said, OK, if you're going to break one of these laws because you just know it's going to happen, you're not going to honor your mom today or you're going to work on the Sabbath or whatever. Can you just Take the thumbtack on that part of the balloon, nice. mm. and that's a good you, one. I like that. I know that's, it's that's, so good. I'm stealing that. It is. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It, it's stealing.
3: Oh, I'll give them credit.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: there you go. again. But you can't yeah. just
2: break one and not have mud on your face, no, you right? Can't. But thanks be to God for transforming us. This is a part of the where God comes to us and raises yeah. us up with Him. The life that God gives us is more abundant and more free and better
1: than anything that we could ever try for ourselves.
0: Really well said, you guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Which leads right into the next question.
1: Yeah. Romans 7 is a challenging chapter to understand. Is Paul suddenly anti-law or is he making a much bigger point for his readers? Pastor Nick.
3: He is not anti-law or antinomianism. Did I say that right? Something like that. Uh, Anti-law. The law is good uh, the law from the Bible? is to Think of the Ten Commandments. Think and really anything that we're supposed to do or not do. All the warnings, all of the uh, the, the guidance into a, a good and righteous life. Uh, all of those things. That's the law. And there's literally the law too, right? So the there's the uh, we talked about the Ten Commandments, but the Torah that means law. It's the way. Well, Jesus came and he said, "I am the way." and I am the truth, and I am the life. And so what God has done in Jesus and in giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit is he's turned rules that we need to follow in order to be okay right, into love right. that we share and life that we live as a result of that love. And so an example of this is you know, when I... Um, This isn't, I'm not advocating for this parenting practice, but I'm just admitting that I'm not a perfect parent. Uh, So sometimes I need some compliance from my kids. Okay. It's like, get dressed. We're already late. And so I I just start the countdown. I'm like, all right, if I get to three, then, and then I make some empty thread. I don't know. Like, that's just my, (laughs) it's not, it's not the best approach, but uh, sometimes I get compliance. Yeah. And afterwards, I'm always like, you know, that wasn't, they didn't do what they were supposed to do because of love. They did it because of fear. Mm -hmm. And I, I want them to know that they can do what they need to do and what's good in life because of the love that they feel coming from me. And then they'll go and do that imperfectly, but they'll go do that. With love, and that's going to influence other
0: people mm. to do that because love lasts. Right. That's so compliance. It's in and out. You're up. You're down. You're doing it today. Maybe not tomorrow. Love is is this eternal thing, and and it holds on. There's this verse in uh, chapter seven of Romans here. Part of this question and answer. And thanks for your questions, everybody. They they really do form uh, these podcasts. We're listening to you. You're reading the Bible. This is great. Verse 17 says, Paul writes, so I'm not the one doing wrong. It's the sin in me right. that yeah. does it. And he goes on to say, you know, the good stuff I want to do, I don't do. The evil stuff I don't want to do, I end up doing. Wretched man that I am who will rescue me. Well, it's Jesus. Here comes that champion to fight on our behalf again. But it's, it's that phrase, the sin in me, that I just want to take a minute uh, to to have our listeners kind of ponder for a moment with us. Another story, when, when uh, Danny, our son, uh, was young. Uh, he was maybe five years old and he did not want to go to bed at night. I mean, that was like, that was torture for him. And I think he was influenced heavily by his big brother and they had bunk beds and they shared. And so getting them to go to bed was one thing, getting them to stop talking Uh and go to sleep was another thing says Emily, the mom. (laughs) Yeah. You have kids at that stage (laughs) right now. So, uh, We would go in there and say, you know, come on, you guys. And one particular night, Danny was the instigator. He was the one who was like, just could not settle down. And I, I went in, I sat down on his bed, uh, the lower bunk. And I said, Danny, you've got to get to sleep. You've got to go. It's not good for you if you don't see, you know, I'm trying to show him the better way. Right. Trying to be the dad, Nick, like you're saying, I'm trying to get for, for for compliance. And Danny actually said as a five-year-old future pastor, Right. I don't know why I do it, dad. It's the sin in me. Oh, no <laughs> and, I, and I think because he, you know, I heard some sermons as a five year old here and there and didn't probably maybe know what it means, but he was using that as the, it's the sin in me that does this. And that, but that is really Paul's point. Right, right, He's saying, yeah. I do want to do good. I think most of our listeners are not, you know, darkly evil people who want to do horrible things. And so this can be a little confusing and Paul's really clarifying here. He's saying, look, I want to do good things. And he doesn't, he's not just throwing that out there like, well, I'll just say I want to do good things, but you know, really, I'm just a horrible person. I think we want to do good. Mm-hmm. But this, and so it's not the law that's the problem, as you said at the beginning of your answer, Nick, Paul's not anti-law. He's just saying, I'm anti-me. G, G.K. Chesterton was asked, the, the, the great you know, church leader, what's wrong with this world? Uh, and a lot of Christian leaders would say it's them, it's, it's their theology, it's, the, it's their spirituality, it's the way they worship, it's the, it's the other parts of the church, it's the church that doesn't do it the way we do it. It's people who, you know, disagree with us on certain issues. G.K. Chesterton wisely, humbly, and right in alignment with Paul here in Romans 7 said, I'm the problem. I'm I'm the problem. I'm what's wrong with this world, and we all are. The sin in me is the problem, and that sin is no small thing. That sin kills like we were talking about. Did before. anyone else get Taylor Swift? I was just gonna say, head.
2: we all know the Taylor Swift song, right? Antihero. She if must, you're listening to we, the radio at any point in time, we don't all know. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but but I think three of us yeah. at the table know, and probably ninety eight percent of our listeners. But yeah, our I might be the one who doesn't. But yeah. but tell us well, what is
2: the Listeners can sing along if they want. Please sing. The, the chorus is hi, it's me. I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. It's me. You know, the great Taylor Swift, the Taylor great
0: Swift. 21st century theologian <laughs> in alignment with the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. She really is. She's probably yep. reading Romans
3: and listening to or reading some G, uh, G.K. Chesterton. I hope so. Probably. Well, I, I don't hope know. so. Yeah, Maybe. good.
1: How can Romans 8, verses 26 and 27 strengthen our prayer life, particularly when we don't know what God wants us to pray for?
2: Oh, These verses are so good, and I'd like to just read them. Um, So if you've got a Bible or if you don't, this is what Romans 8, 26 and 27 says. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And then it goes on. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So there's two parts to this that I that really stand out to me. And the first one is the part about what God wants us to pray for. And then the second part is how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And the first part is, if you don't know what to pray, you can always ask God God, I don't even know how to pray about this situation. Can you prompt me?
0: Can you help me to see
2: or understand this? Because Jesus talks about in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God. Other things will be handed to you as well. I feel like this Mm, is just in alignment with that. But the other thing I really wanted to lift up about this is one of the things that I have done Uh, this kind of goes back to the the question about suffering. Mm -hmm. When I am just in a place where I'm like, I have no words because I'm Mm -hmm. so upset or I'm so frustrated, or I just don't know one of the things that I've started doing. And I talked about this at Revive not too long ago. And a Revive person, bless them, said that's scriptural. And they pointed out a verse in Psalms where David talks about this. So I learned a little bit, but I just try emotion prayers. I like picture an emotion in my heart of like how this feels and then without even words i just imagine okay god i'm lifting this emotion to you because mm-hmm. i don't even have words with it but the holy spirit knows because the holy spirit is the comforter is the mm-hmm. is the guide is is the things is the one that knows all of the things
0: so. prayer can be a song prayer yep. can be uh spoken words prayer can be unspoken words that we form in our minds but here paul is saying prayer could be a sigh yep. Pray, mm-hmm. prayer can be a groan yep. prayer can be you know, this, this deeply bonding experience between us and God and the promise here that the Holy Spirit intercedes and gives us the words that takes the pressure off of us. And that's the part where I think our prayer lives can, as you were saying, Jamie, that's we, we can just t- say to God, Hey, I don't know what to say here. Mm-hmm. And God's like, "Oh, well, I got, I, I know you don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know you better than you know yourself. What a good God we get to mm-hmm. turn to in prayer. So it's not just, oh, I just can't come up with a word, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to pray right now. Sometimes the deepest prayers are the sighs that are too deep for words. They're the, they're the groanings. And that Greek word for groanings here is the so. It means expressing the deepest levels of grief and anger and desire. So, you know, the English language fails us sometimes. We're praying, we're moving along, and all of a sudden it's like, I've got no words left. And that's when the Holy Spirit intercedes, keep praying. You don't have to come up with one word. Mm-hmm. Just be in the spirit, be in the moment, be in the presence of God, in other words. Know that God is with you, hears your heart when you don't have the words you can form in your mind or out of your mouth.
3: And you don't have to pretend like you don't have mud on you or the world didn't just throw a ton of mud on you. You, you Sometimes we sin, sometimes people sin against us or yeah. the broken world we yeah. encounter, we just encounter sin. And when that mud gets slung all over us, we think, okay, maybe, maybe if I just clean it up and say it just right, mm-hmm. then God will hear my prayer. But this scripture is telling us that, no, God's right there in your genuine experience. And this is the part mm-hmm. of the Bible
0: that talks about God's spirit touches our spirit, and right. we cry out, Daddy, which is mm-hmm. what Abba means, Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a father, a good father who loves his kids, when that kid sighs... When that yeah. kid groan, your own flesh and blood sighs, yeah. you don't need words. Yeah. Is a day you know, and you wanted to hear it. If that's what my kid is feeling, my child, my son or daughter, if that's what, if that's, so our heavenly father's saying, if that's what you're feeling, my child, who I love dearly and know better than you know yourself, I want to hear your sigh. I want to hear your groan. I and I, I hear all of it. You don't have to be like, well, I sighed and groan, but God doesn't know what I'm talking about. No, your father knows. He knows his kids.
1: Does God predestine all of us for heaven or hell or is salvation our choice or does Romans 8 verses 28 through 30 reveal an alternative view?
0: Okay. So we're going to do predestination in like uh, just very, very short answer. There are three classic views on uh, how God's eternal foreknowledge and election play out in scripture. Here in Romans 8 is one of those places that a lot of people quote. There's lots of other places too. And so there are three different views. There's the Calvinist view. Uh, started by uh, a French theologian named John Calvin. Um, This is the view that people who know their theology, it would be Presbyterians, Dutch Reformed, some Baptists, some Episcopalians, some others, and they'll talk about like this double predestination that before the beginning of time, every single one of us was predestined either for heaven or for hell. We don't get to vote on that, and that's just set, and that's it. And there's kind of a neo-Calvinist movement going afoot these days, and they're very, very passionate about this. And you know, look, I appreciate the passion and, and the desire. On the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, there's Arminius, who was a Dutch theologian, and so this is the Arminian view, which is typically Methodist. A lot of Pentecostals uh, assemblies of God a good portion of non-denominational folks too some Baptists, some Episcopalians so there can be some wavering these are the people and I'm boy this is dangerous but I'm just going to do a quick simple summary of it because we could get in we could do a whole podcast on this but they're the opposite in the spectrum they say it's not fixed God makes his grace available and then it's up to us we make a decision for Christ we either say yes or no. Luther, the Lutheran view comes along and and not just Luther, but all the Lutheran theologians around him, um, you know, uh, pointing in a different direction saying, well, the problem is if you try to take the totality of the New Testament on predestination and come up with a neat theological formula, if you're being honest, you can't do it. Because there's going to be some things that clash with one another in different times. So Luther, respecting God's word, says there must be something else going on here that we need to tap into, which is more art than science. And we, we need to pay attention to what is God speaking into this context, like to the Romans church? What, what is God saying to us as we read his word? And so Luther talks about, again, oversimplified to make the point, a single predestination, because it says here in Romans 8, God predestines people for heaven Nowhere does it say he predestines people for hell. Mm-hmm. So Luther's like, let's just mm-hmm. take God at his word. Lutherans are big word people. Let's actually read what it says instead of start with our formula and then try to find verses to support it. Let's just let the word speak to us freely. And so Luther says he predestines, um, and, and we read later in the New Testament, it's God's will that everyone will be saved. Well, that's really good news. So is everyone saved? No, they are not. And so we, we can see this play out. So, it's God's will that we'd be saved, but God also gives us the freedom to reject that grace, saying, here's the lifeboat that will save your life from the sinking Titanic, and we say, yeah, no, I'm going to pass. Well, that's not God's fault. You know, God, God wanted us to be saved, sent his son Jesus, sent the lifeboat to save us, but we chose a different path, we chose, chose a different route. So, be careful with neat, clean formulas. Mm. I really appreciate what I believe Respectfully, and we 're all on the same team we 're not in different religions here, Calvinists, you know Arminians, lutherans we 're all Christians trying to figure this out, and so if you have a different view, you still be a part of the church you 're a part of or whatever that maybe doesn't teach that view as specifically, but generally we 're all just trying to figure out how does this all what does God know, and how far in advance does God know this? The more important thing is we all agree it's Jesus who saves, and um, we we have god 's word on this, and the good news is that God does want us to be saved and he sends his son to do that for us. And it's not a choice we're making. It's just us opening the gift that God gives to mm-hmm. us. Remember Jesus said in the gospel of John, you didn't choose me. I chose you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I always think about, and you did, that was a great crash course. I'm oh, taken back to college and whatever. So I, I grew up in a church that was Arminian, mm-hmm. went to a college and studied religion in a Calvinist reformed college and now work here at a Lutheran church and (laughs) the Lutheran seminary. So I'm just realizing, Oh, I've spent some time in all three camps. One of my just anecdotal experiences is that when we get so hung up on the whole predestination Mm -hmm. thing, it usually has to do with the mud stuff. It does. Mm -hmm. We're right. You're wrong. Yes. Who's more covered. Who's less covered. It's important. And knowing this stuff is really quality and good and helpful, but let's not let a let it get us sidetracked off right. of loving people well, off of the grace and the goodness of God for us and for all people.
3: Or the mission. The, yes. There is a mission the and a good news that, and a love that we need to share mm-hmm. with others. And because that, I, I mean, if someone says, am I predestined for heaven? I'd say, well, God made you and wants to spend eternity with you. So in one sense, yes, you are predestined. You were made for God. Mm-hmm. And when you think that you're made for God, you believe that you're made for God, that's that's, I mean, you're going to, you're going to, is yeah. what I'm saying. And uh, and so I think that, again, when when Western Aristotelian thinking creeps into Romans 8, and we're reading it like a bunch of Westerners and, or Americans, rather than like the Romans, and some could say, well, that's still in the West. Well, the culture was still very different. And he's also writing to a, a very big hodgepodge of, of Jewish people and uh, and the Gentiles as well. And they saw it and thought different. And so we have to take that into account Good. rather than making a formula. Yeah.
0: The, the other thing I want to say here to folks, and we're just going to have to wrap it up here, the, the we had one other question on the back end of Romans 8, but we're out of time. So we're going to start with that next week uh, for our listeners in case you're like, well, I want to hear more about nothing separating us from God's love. But really the question we're answering here points to that. It's, yes, there are these theologies, which are which are the best efforts of some really wonderful, historically, too, brilliant people trying to figure out what does God know about our salvation and when, and how does that affect us? I just think it's important we have a basic, at least, understanding of double predestination, you know, free will, my decision, and the Luther, Lutheran type view in the middle. And it's not just Lutherans, it's others too who say, well, actually the Bible says something sort of in between. And so let's just let it speak. Like you said, Jamie, it's not we're right, you're wrong. It is just ultimately, I think knowledge so that we don't get scared. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because sometimes people use these views to throw some fear around. Like if you don't hold our view, you can't be saved. Well, Mm -hmm. that's so counter to the, Text of the New Testament. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by having a perfect theology and not by having a formula and a system. It's what Christ did on the cross, not us having to figure out some maze of a of a theological journey to get to the right outlet. It's just putting our trust in the God who loves us and saves us. And Lutherans would say, How do you know you're saved then? Because you heard the word and you believe it, uh, which is where Paul's going to go next week in our reading in Romans. So with that, it's yeah. A cliffhanger. Yeah, uh, we will. We'll see you next week, Nick, Jamie, Emily. Thank you guys. Thank uh, you you it was fun. all of you. Thank you all of you for um, your uh, participation in these conversations. Thanks for tuning in. We really enjoy sh- uh, sharing um, these podcasts with you. Thank you for your encouragement, for all the feedback that you give us, that you're getting a lot out of these two. Spread the word, and we'll see you at church this week.
1: Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time.